Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, our guest is one of the most famous barbecue pitmasters in the whole world. Hey family, hope you're doing well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 118 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast and we have got something super, super special for you today. I'm going to tell you more about that in just a minute, but we've got a couple of announcements to run through before we do uh, get stuck into this episode. So I just want to let you know that we've got a new free mini ebook available on the Smoking Hot Confessions website. It's the beginner's guide to real barbecue. So if you're listening to this and you're just getting into the into the world of barbecue and low and slow smoking and all the all the delicious things that we uh, that we do, make sure you head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com. Have a bit of a look around the website. At some stage, a pop up will come up offering you the free ebook to download. Pop your details in there, and we'll shoot it straight out into your inbox, and we'll get you started on the on the path to low and slow glory. So good, so delicious. Um, if you are watching this video on Facebook, make sure you give it a like and a share for us. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a, um, a subscribe, hit the notification bell and a thumbs up. Don't forget the thumbs up. If you're watching on IGTV, give us one of those cute little hearts and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcast app, do give us a rating and a review. It does help the robot overlords know that you like it. And so they should show it to other people who will also like it as well. Now, coming up in today's episode, we are chatting to a man who, and I've had to write a detailed list down here because it's a big list, has delivered more than 200 barbecue classes around the world, has been featured on six different barbecue TV programs, has won over 100 first places and 27 grand championships. And if you haven't guessed yet, I'm talking to the one and only Harry Sue. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hey, Harry, it looks beautiful over there in LA right now. Thank you for joining me in the confessional. All right, we are here to uh, confess and to cook CNC, as we call it here. So we got a little fire going here. Ooh, lovely. It's like a hot burning grill. Uh, we got something called cockles. Uh, I don't know if you had this in Australia, cockles. Um, yeah, I, I, I have seen them, but I don't know that I've actually cooked them myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have some uh, cuttlefish. Oh, yes. Uh, yep. Some uh, we, call, we call this shrimp. I don't know what you call it in Australia. Prawns. We're going to do a little bit of a uh, Asian influence cook. So Sunday is my favorite day because I get to play with all the recipes that I'm going to feature for my Patreons as well as for my YouTube channel. So you guys are going to be joining me on a R&D journey. It may fail. It may work. Uh, you guys will be here to help me figure out if uh, these crazy sauces I've made and all these different rubs and everything will work with all these herbs on the fire. So it's going to be basically, uh, you know, throw down with Ben and Harry cooking, uh, you know, seafood, uh, kind of the Los Angeles style. Beautiful, mate. Sounds absolutely fantastic. And and I I do thank you for for uh, in, inviting us into this recipe uh, investigation, and of course, which is going to be your dinner. So you've basically invited us to dinner with with Harry. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Uh, okay, so the first thing that I always like to, uh, to to ask my guests is, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Let's see. I cooked a durian. You want to see a durian? Yeah, sure. Let's guys, see that. You guys know what a durian is? No. Okay. 
So I did this uh, for my episode. Uh, I shot a YouTube episode called Barbecue Durian. This is going to be part two because uh, all my viewers complained that I did not try this particular durian. It's called the Musang King. Kind of sounds like a little Godzilla movie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I did the first one with the Thai. So the Thais were impressed, but the rest of Southeast Asia became haters. They said, Harry, how can you not cook a Musang King durian from Malaysia? Because I gave the Thai folks a nod using the montong. For those of you who never heard of a montong, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a golden pillow durian. So I know that some of your viewers are turning up their noses now because uh, this is not something that everybody likes, but this is something I enjoy. I love it. I've been eating it since I was a little kid. And so that's obviously some kind of fruit. It, it, it looks like a large spiky fruit about the size of a pineapple. Yes. It's a uh, kind of a, uh, has a very unusual flavor. It's kind of like a mashed almonds with fermented cheese. That's a really a quiet taste. So even Andrew Zimmer on the, you know, food network, he uh, is something that will throw him off. Right. Yeah. That is, that is quite exotic. And so how, how do you go about barbecuing one of those? I'm, I'm assuming it's a uh, marinade and a, and a grill. No, you put the whole fruit on the grill and you cook it for about three hours and then the base will split like a sea star starfish. And uh, that allows you to pry it open and the meat in there will be nice and warm with a kiss of smoke flavor. So that's a really unusual way to enjoy uh, barbecue durian. It typically eaten uh, fresh or frozen or, you know, without cooking it. But uh, I decided to up the notch since I'm a pit master. Everything I cook on my channel goes on the grill, on the smoker, on the pit. Beautiful, yeah. And now speaking of of grills and barbecues, you've already shown us that you've got a little Weber there cooking up for dinner tonight. Um, what is that your your grill of choice when you're cooking at home? Uh, for home cooking and uh, seafood, I like to use a Weber kettle. Uh, because as you guys probably heard me say many times, uh, when you cook fish and seafood, uh, that kind of odor of the ocean is going to permeate your pit. So ordinarily, I would not use a pit that I reserve for cooking brisket and ribs and pork, right, to cook any kind of seafood. So I really like to cook my seafood on my kettle because I can clean the kettle up thoroughly. So if I cook salmon and it's really fishy, you know, you really don't want to grill steaks after you cook salmon on your kettle. So this way I can clean it up. And it's a surefire way to make sure that you don't cross-contaminate flavors and odors. Wow, that's interesting. I've, I haven't actually thought of that myself. I just uh, throw whatever in the kettle and then whatever comes out, comes <laughs> out. That's, um, <laughs> that's really interesting. I, I hadn't heard someone say that before. Um, yeah, you know how the kerosene twang, uh, you know, that you get from using lighter fluid? You yeah, can yeah. the same thing from seafood because uh, the, uh, what do you call it, oils from the fish end up soaking into the crust on the inside of your dome. And uh, some of that flavor is going to impart itself on the next item you cook. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. No, now that you've said it, it makes perfect sense. It's just not something that I'd um, <laughs> that that I'd thought of before. So yeah. you mentioned that you grew up eating um, eating durian as a boy. How did you get into barbecue? Was it has it always been part of your life? Uh, no, I uh, am a totally accidental pit master. I have actually no business sitting here talking to you about cooking barbecue. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I grew up in Malaysia and uh, from the island of Penang. Uh, and I, at an early age, I, you know, was uh, hired by a Asian airline in Singapore to fly airplanes. And I kind of lost my job over because of the oil crisis. This is like 40 years ago. For those of you who are as old as I am, there was once upon a time in the world where there was an oil crisis and uh, you could buy <laughs> uh, petrol, you call it petrol, you can buy petrol only on odd and even days. So I'm a refugee from that long gone dinosaur era. 
And uh, I ended up going to America about 40 years ago to pursue my education. And uh, I actually ended up cooking barbecue in Texas. Well, I, that's where I first ended up in America. I went to Texas Tech, which is a university, a big university in the state of Texas. And what do you do when you go to Texas? The first thing they feed you is brisket. And I took one bite of that American barbecue. I fell in love. I spent the next 20 or 30 years cooking barbecue and uh, always trying to emulate that, that wonderful, moist, tender beef heaven, like brisket and uh, sausage and ribs that I learned how to eat in Texas. But uh, it was something that I pursued for many, many years. And then in the 2008, if you recall, there was a movie called The Bucket List. Yes. Uh, it was a docudrama. Have you heard of it? So it was Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. And uh, one of my coworkers at work said, hey, you know, we're a bunch of IT nerds. We, we should do something with our life before we kick the bucket. And uh, she made us all write down a list of things we would do to make it interesting. Uh, we started to write stretch goals for each other. So Ben, let's say I know you always secretly wanted to water ski, but you never water ski. I'll write a stretch goal for, hey, Ben, you got to go take a water skiing lesson. Oh, so wow. They, they wrote down a barbecue contest because they, they knew I love to cook. I had no idea my food was any good because when you serve it to family, when the food's free, the drinks are free, what does everybody say? They all say it's That's lovely. The best food on earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best food on earth, yes. So uh, because of the dare, I decided to fulfill what they wrote down for me, which is to cook one contest. And I found a contest in California and I had no idea what I was doing. I signed up for the contest and I had to fill in the registration form to fill in my team name and pay a fee. So I decided I'll write down the bucket list as my team name. And uh, lo and behold, my coworkers heard that I was doing that. They say, hey, you know, let's pick a name, a fun name for your team. Uh, and I said, fine, pick any name you want. I'll never use it again. I'll just use it one time and it's going to be a throwaway name. So <laughs> in America, there, there's a kind of a saying in the South that if you eat something you really, really like, it is so good that you want to slap somebody. So interesting, that's how interesting. I, I started in barbecue because uh, in America, uh, I thought that was a really stupid name. So I said, fine, guys, I'm never going to use it again. So I'll just humor my coworkers and call my team name Slap Your Daddy. And uh, that was uh, 12 years ago. So it's been an amazing journey. I've had a chance to travel all around the world. I've had a chance to travel to Sydney to teach, uh, to Perth to teach. So I got to be headed to see you, Ben, in Brisbane next yeah, sounds good. Is there, is there uh, already a plan there or is that one of those aspirational goals you were just talking about? I have a seat in Australia with many pitmasters. So you guys may not be aware, but a lot of your leading pitmasters, right? Like Paul King, uh, like Lance Rosen, uh, all these, these are all my alumni. So I've actually trained quite a few grand champions in the uh, you know great continent of Australia. Yeah, I think um, I was talking to a fellow um, that that you're quite familiar with now, uh, Jason Linto, just about a month or so ago, and he said that uh, what got him into barbecue was he actually travelled to Sydney and he was at your class in Sydney and that's what got him hooked on barbecue and now he's lining up all those competitions over in Perth. Yeah, he's uh, been uh, one man and, uh, you know, his partner Ian McGiven, they have been like a, you know, tour de force in a barbecue in Australia. So I know he's been organizing a lot of events. I was there before the COVID pandemic. We did the big uh, contest. We did a kids queue. I put on the little class over there. So I really want to go back to, you know, Australia and hang out with my, all my barbecue brothers and sisters. Yeah, we're certainly looking forward to having you back over here as well, mate. No doubt about that at all. Now, um, in the introduction, I mentioned that you'd had a lot of TV opportunities. Give us a bit of a rundown on all of them because there's quite a few. 
Oh uh, yeah, it all started in uh, 2010. Out of the blue, I was at a contest and uh, my cell phone rang about five minutes before I was going to get disqualified for the rip entry. So for those of you who are not aware, in America, we do this crazy thing called barbecue competition. We plan the whole week and on, on Friday and Thursday night, we drive, you know, hundreds of miles away or kilometers away. And then uh, there's a big contest. We set up on Friday, we cook our, our heart out. And on Saturday, we get judged by the judges. So we turn in meats around noon, 1230, one o'clock and 1.30. So it was like 12.25, my cell phone rang. And I thought, who would be calling me in the middle of a contest? Don't they know that I'm going to get disqualified if I don't get my rip entry ready? So I pick up the phone and I say, who's this guy? So I say, hello, hello, hello. And the guy said, hi, you don't know who I am. I, my name is John Marcus. I'm a TV producer. I would like to talk to you about being on a TV show. So I say, yeah, 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 yeah. And I hung up on him, right? <laughs> because I thought he was uh, one of my other teams pranking me, trying to get me disqualified, right? So uh, I forgot completely about the phone call. And then on like Sunday on a way drive home, about it's a six hour drive home from uh, that location in Northern California. I told my partner, I said, Hey, you know, I, I had a dream yesterday in the middle of the contest. Some guy calls me and say, he's a TV producer. So I said, I picked up the phone and I went through my call log and I said, Oh, lo and behold, there was a guy who called me right at 1225 on in the middle of the contest on Saturday. So I picked up the phone and I spoke to the guy and he introduced himself and his name is John Marcus. He is the executive producer of a TV uh, production company. Uh, you may have heard, do you have the Cosby show in Australia? Uh, we, we had the Cosby show. It's not many, on syndication anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because of the story of that. But anyway, he, he was a very famous TV producer. So he produced many, many shows, won many Emmys, including doing the Cosby show. So apparently he was a who's who of uh, TV producing. And I said, what do you want with me? He said, well, you know, I would like to cast you on a TV show. I said, you got to be kidding me. And uh, he said, no, no, no. You came highly referred and we want to put a TV show. So I had no idea what I was doing. So on Tuesday, a pile of paper just came from Discovery Channel. And that was the contract. So I went back to my coworkers and told them, look what you guys got me into. You got me into this crazy barbecue business. I went and did my first contest. I won it. And I was hooked. And I started competing for fun. And I told them, look at what happened. Now this guy calls me and wants to put me on TV. I have no idea what to do. I've never been on TV before. So my coworkers say, Harry, follow your heart. Sometimes when there's a fork in the road, you really have to have the courage to take the right direction and go with not a thinking, just go with your heart. So I thought to myself, well, what, what is the worst that can happen? I can go on a TV show, make a fool of myself for the world to see, and that will be the end of it. Now, what I did not know is that they were going to put me on a show with seven teams. Yeah. Three are world champions. Okay. Yeah. So if I had known that up front that it would be Tuffy Stone, Myron Mixon, right, and Johnny Trick, I would have run the hell out of that show. <laughs> I would never have left. So I signed up for the show, had no idea. So I walked on set uh, about uh, two months later and I met these guys. And the first thing they said, Who's Harry? Who? Where is he from? Oh, he's from California. What do they know how to cook in California? They don't cook barbecue in California. They cook tofu and artichokes. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my introduction to the show. And long story short, for those of you who follow the season one of Barbecue Pit Master, when they had the season finale throwdown in Texas, guess what happened? The little team from California ended up beating all the world champions. So, so that was my entry into notoriety on the barbecue circuit. And since then, I've been on several shows like uh, Food Network. I've been on Alton Brown show, uh, a lot of local shows. So I have been kind of really an accidental pitmaster. I fell into barbecue completely by accident. 
Yeah, wow. That's a that's a hell of a story. That's really interesting to get that sort of that that behind the scenes uh, glimpse into um, into American pit uh, into barbecue pitmasters because that's uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a kind of a roundabout way, and then sometimes in life you never know what would happen, right? Until you know you go about life and oh, can you guys see what I'm doing here? Just cooking some shrimp. Yeah, it looks like you've uh, butterflied some shrimp and just um, just popped it indirect between the charcoal baskets there. Yeah, I'm going to do a little uh, experiment here. I'm going to cook a few items here. I'm going to try some sauces here. I, I made a little tom yum sauce here. For you guys not familiar with tom yum is, this is like a Thai, Thai style sauce. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be doing three three sauces here that I'm practicing. Uh, this may or may not make it on my channel, but, you know, I, I'm one of those people, I, I keep trying and until something sticks. So I'm a sort of a fearless experimenter because I have no formal training, right? Yep. I'm a total quack. Uh, I have really no no cooking credential here, but uh, I, I do have a fearless uh, curiosity and, uh, uh, you know, always wanting to know more about the world. So I, I always try to find different ways to amuse myself. So this is one of the ways I amuse myself on a Sunday. Yeah, you certainly uh, got some... Uh Got some great habits and some uh, some some good ways of spending your time. What's it? Is that just um, just uh, extra virgin olive oil that you're tossing on there? Uh, I have a little bit of canola oil on it, and uh, let's just get it going here. It goes a lid, and I have a little bit of a Vietnamese style sauce. Let me put this thing on so I can do something here. Yeah, sure. You guys see? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Okay, cool. so I made a little chimichurri. Uh, if you guys not don't know what chimichurri, chimichurri is kind of like a um, uh, Argentinian style sauce that goes on steak. So what I've done is I amped it up uh, with uh, some uh, Asian influences. So I have fish sauce in here. So I'm making like an Asian chimichurri. So it's like a little fusion cuisine. I'm going to put some on, on the shrimp here with the garlic and spicy chili. And we're going to try uh, another sauce on the, uh, the shrimp. So these are the herbs that I like to use. Uh, do you have this in Brisbane? Mint? Oh, and yeah. This is a, uh, a kind of a fragrant herb. I don't know if you see this. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that... it's called, but I, it, uh, uh, you know, it's used for a dish called laksa. I don't know if you have, do you have laksa in Australia? Oh, yes. Yep. Okay. So this is a laksa herb. I, I love it because it's just got a great, great flavor. And when you, when you cook with laksa, right, it really, really brings out the flavor of your food. So, you know, if you can throw it on, on, onto, the, onto the fire, it also gives a little bit of a fragrance on, onto the meat here. Oh, wow. Okay. Right here. So show you guys some tips on how to cook. Kind of your dinner, Sunday dinner here in this case. Here. Yeah, beautiful. Well, that's I give that about maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, so we were just talking about um, barbecue pitmasters and some of the other TV uh, sort of stuff that you've done. What's been your 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 favorite experience on on television there? Uh, you know, I have had so many, and uh, some of the favorite experiences I have is when uh, you know it's kind of a really small event. We did this uh, event. Uh, uh, you guys know that a lot of my barbecue work is for philanthropy, so I already have a great job. I, I build data centers for a living, so barbecue is kind of like a kind of hobby for me on weekends and nights. And uh, a lot of the proceeds from barbecue go towards charity, charities such as uh, Operation uh, Homefront. Uh, save the children uh, and uh, other like cancer charities. So uh, one of my best events was a very tiny event I did for uh, at-risk youth, where I put on a class and I taught about 18 at-risk youth. These are youths between the ages of about 14 to about 20 years old. And they all are kids that just had a very rough life. 
And uh, that little TV show was covered on local news. So despite all the national exposure I've had cooking barbecue, that is one of my most memorable events because you see the faces of these kids as they light up learning how to cook barbecue, which is like a grilling life skill program. And since then, what I did was I actually put that program online on my website and on my YouTube videos. So folks around America are downloading that program so they can start the same at-risk grilling life skills program in their own city. So that's kind of like my, my top, top of the top uh, type of uh, TV show. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. We've already talked about uh, Slap Your Daddy, the the competition team, and you've you've told us about the name, which is one of the things I was going to ask about. Have you ever had like a like a barbecue mishap at a competition? Like, what's a what's a bit of a funny story you've got about uh, about competition barbecue? Oh wow, there there are so many. Uh, you know, a lot of them involve uh, basically my failure and the failures of people around me. I uh, let me tell you what, what what will be a funny story. Okay, here's a funny one. So I'm at a barbecue contest. I'm helping out a team and uh, they're brand new. And uh, they, you know, I cook using a Weber Smoky Mountain. That's my default cooker. But the, this team beside me, they were brand new. So they knew who I was. So they asked me to help them. I said, fine, I'll teach you everything I know. They, they brought along a, a pellet cooker. Uh, for the, your viewers who may not be aware, a pellet cooker is a cooker that uses little rabbit-sized wood pellets. And uh, it's a, it runs on electricity. And you turn it on and then the pellets will heat up and that will be used to cook the food. So I told him, uh, can you go and start the pellet cooker? And the pellet cooker has a hopper of wood pellets. It's got some electronics on it. And then you have to turn the unit on to start it up to feed the pellets into the unit when it will burn through a little glow plug and then the whole pit will start up. So he saw me start my Weber Smoky Mountain. And for those of you who are out there, the Weber Smoky Mountain is a bullet-sized cooker. The way you start that, you light the coals, kind of very similar to the coals I have here, like this. You light the coals, right? Mm-hmm. And you dump the hot coals into the middle of the Weber Smoky Mountain. So guess what he did? Oh, God. He took his uh, my taco chimney, and he I didn't realize what he was doing because I was busy trimming the brisket. He took my taco chimney, he started the coals, and he poured it into the pellet hopper. <sighs> Bye-bye pellet grill. (laughs) So needless to say, and we saw the fire, we thought, holy smokes, what happened here? (laughs) So needless to say, we we, we scooped, you know, I had a frantic scooping all the burnt pellets out of the pellet cooker. And I told him, no, you don't start a pellet cooker that way. So what I learned in my lesson is that when you help somebody, please find out. You know, where they are, are they a total beginner or they are a professional pit master because uh, you had the unintended result of setting somebody's pit on fire. Yeah, <laughs> wow. That would have been just devastating. And so you're you were obviously able the, to, to, the, to the, save the pellet grill then? Yeah. And, and the worst thing is that I got the brunt of it because everybody was laughing at me saying, look at that idiot Harry teaching oh. a newbie team how to start their pellet cooker. So <laughs> that, that moniker hung around my, my shoulder for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I've been. Luckily, uh, no, nobody got hurt. The, the the team went on to cook their food, and they did a they did a fine job. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I've 
I've been a teacher for almost 20 years now and uh, it's it, it's always very important to be incredibly clear when you're giving instructions. Yes. Yeah, you yes. got to tell them exactly what you want done and exactly how you want them to do it. And then also always supervise. Supervise, supervise, supervise. Don't take for granted, right? If you tell somebody to do something and, uh, you know, they know what to do. I learned that where I used to fly 747s and one of the training sessions we had is that if you are flying an airplane, you are a captain, you really have to be very specific instructions. Uh, for example, if you have ever flown on an airplane, right, you know, there's a little handle on the door that they tell you to pull, right, and turn mm-hmm. in case the plane has a water landing or the plane has an emergency and the doors will blow open and then the, the rafts will blow out and then you can slide down, right? Yep. So the, the handle says grab handle and turn. So what people did was they, if this was the handle, they went up to it, they grabbed the handle and they turned. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so they, they would turn their body instead of turning the handle. No, you said grab the handle and turn, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you cannot fault them for doing exactly what the instructions say. Grab the handle and turn. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So did they have to change all the, change all the safety instructions on the planes? Yeah, that's to- why, that's why uh, you have to test instructions. So when you put out instructions, you have to put the re- regular people and have them use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I've seen them, they've all got uh, big colored arrows pointing down and like showing exactly where you have to turn it and so they don't turn it the wrong way, all that sort of stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, in America, we, we have these, uh, the lawnmowers. Uh, do you, you guys have lawnmowers in Australia. Do you have a sign that says, do not stick your hand in the lawnmower blade? Do you oh, always have a sign? Yeah, there's all sorts of different things like that. that yeah. Okay, yeah, see, yeah. I rest my case. Yeah, yeah, so in Australia, you have the same people as in America. They have to put a sign. Do not put your hand into the blade. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, common sense seems to have gone out of style a long time ago. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned before that you like to cook on a on a Weber, and I noticed in your about section on your Slap Your Daddy Facebook page that you talk about cooking in an eighteen inch Weber. So do you cook all these competitions literally in just one little eighteen inch Weber Smoky Mountain? Yeah. So all yeah, I, uh, all four handed for being uh, cheap and lazy. I call it process efficient and cost efficient. <laughs> so uh, that's how I started. Uh, when I was in that uh, dare and work for the bucket list, I uh, I ordered my uh, two smokers off Amazon on Wednesday. I went to a contest on Friday. I packed my entire kitchen in my minivan, had no idea what I was doing. And uh, I started cooking on the Weber Smoky Mountain. And uh, since then, uh, it's really done well for me. I probably won uh, almost all my awards using it. I've only used uh, the only other award I won was using a 22. Uh, that's because in Hawaii, uh, I didn't have a smoker. So one of the folks in Hawaii, they bought a Weber Smoky Mountain 22 to let me loan it and use it. And uh, that was the only time I cooked on the 22. But the rest of my awards, I won on the 18. Wow. So in a, in a sport where a lot of people seem to be going bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and heavier yeah. and as, as fast as they can, you are, you're yeah. traveling around with one 18 inch Weber in a, in yeah. a minivan and just slaughtering everybody. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we've shown repeatedly that it's not about the, uh, pit. it's always about the pit master. So, uh, you know, this is kind of how, how it is. And, uh, if you know what you're doing, you can get great results. Uh, just cooking with a shovel, some chicken wire, and a hole in the ground. <laughs> Which is where it all started from anyway in the first place. Uh, yeah, that's how, how barbecue started. And I'm sure in Australia, you guys have your own barbecue traditions. 
Uh, I'm, I'm putting a dynamite sauce. This is a, you know, have you ever been to a Japanese restaurant? They serve you the dynamite roll. Uh, oh, yes, I've been to a Japanese restaurant. No, I don't know what that is. Is that like QP mayonnaise? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a QP mayonnaise uh, type of a sauce. So I'm just making a QP mayonnaise. It's called dynamite sauce and it's extremely common in uh, Japanese restaurants. Okay. And so that's going on to the, uh, onto the skewered Chim- prawns that yeah. you were putting. Yeah. Was yeah. that the one that the chimichurri sauce prawns, went yeah, on we, before? Yeah, yeah we, we are kind of basic with chimichurri to kind of get it to have a nice flavor with the garlic and then the spices, the fish sauce, and then these herbs that I put. Uh, and then this one is done with a, like a Thai curry yogurt style tom yum paste, which I just made here. And then I'm going to uh, do this one also, which is the uh, cuttlefish. I'm going to brush it a little bit of oil. And uh, and I, I forgot to get this one in here. Let me make some room for this thing. I'm going to cook some blood cockles also. Mm. So let's just keep talking while I maneuver the pit here. Yeah, sure. No worries. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned before about uh, sending some products off from from Slap Your Daddy. So you've obviously expanded from a from being a competition team into there being a business element to to what you do. So give us a bit of a rundown on the on the business side of of Slap Your Daddy. Okay, uh, so the uh, whole idea about cooking barbecue was an accident, and what happened was uh, after I was at a TV show, I had a little bit of notoriety. Uh, Somebody called me and said, hey, you know, I noticed that you are, I saw you on TV. I'm a big fan of yours. And uh, do you sell any products? I said, uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm just a regular guy who has a uh, regular job. And he says, you know, I own a rub company. Would you like to partner with me to uh, uh, kind of put out some product? So I say, fine. Uh, my, my revenue from barbecue rub is zero. So, you know, anything higher than zero is probably not a bad idea. Yep, so yep. he, uh, he put my product uh, onto, uh, he made my product. And uh, in those days, it was very unsophisticated, almost like kind of like a cottage industry. Like, so he put my product into a baggie, not like a marijuana bag. <laughs> and then uh, he, he said, okay, why don't we sell it? I said, fine. He printed the label on his uh, dot matrix printer. And then we, we put it on a market in 2009 or something. And then, I was just completely blown away. The first month he sold a thousand US dollars worth of product. Wow. Just like that. We know advertising and apparently people know me around the world. So they like to buy the product. So that was 12 years ago. So today uh, my product is pretty much sold everywhere. I'm trying to get into the big box stores. A uh, number of restaurants also, they actually use my product. They don't tell people that they use the product behind the scenes. They, we sell them in a 35 pound uh, gallon, 35 gallon uh, pails of product. So it's kind of taken off and it's allowed me to do what my passion is, is to give back to the world. Uh, so Ben, you know, in life, right? You, you, you make a living. You do that all your life. There's a certain point in your life where you ask yourself, how can you make a living, but also make a difference? Mm. And I'm at a stage in my life where I'm trying to do more, make a different stuff because I already, you know, found a way to make a living. And uh, I always tell people, especially your viewers who are watching this, is that it's important to kind of divide your life into three pieces. The first piece is when you go to school and university, and then between the ages of 20 to 40 years old, you want to learn. You want to learn from as many masters as you can. When you are in the second phase of life, when you're 40 years old to 60 years old, you want to become the best you can do. Become the best YouTuber becoming the best mother, becoming the best father, becoming the best brother, becoming the best worker. 
when you hit my age at 60 plus, right, what you want to do is give it all away. So I'm at a point in my life where I'm kind of giving it all away. That's why you come and watch my YouTube channel. You cannot believe that Harry shows you his first place competition recipes on uh, what do you call uh, completely open and transparent. And people can't understand that. And I tell them that, hey, you know, life is really about giving, not so much receiving. When you give a slice of the pie to somebody, you're not shrinking the pie for yourself because when you give, the pie grows. And that's mm. a message I want to get out to your viewers that in life, learn how to give and how to make a difference in someone else's life. Yeah, that's some uh, some beautiful words of wisdom there. That is uh, that that absolutely is the uh, is the the finer points of life. There is making sure that you give something back to the community, which kind of does link back to the charity work that you mentioned before. Um, so you you've got your rubs. Um, you're wearing some uh, some slap your daddy merch right there. What other services do you offer? I I know that you do barbecue classes. Yeah, I've been teaching barbecue classes uh, until the COVID hit us uh, big time in America. I, I think that you probably, from your viewpoint, right, America is a burning, you know, mess right now. And uh, that's probably true. Uh, <laughs> we've not been able to bring this uh, pandemic under control. And there are probably many factors. If I go into the politics of this, we'll be here for another four hours. Yeah. So the idea is that um, um, you, you want to ex- expand yourself. And I always believe that when you do something, life is brief live with, with intensity. That is the saying I have. I'll say that again. So it's so important. Life is brief. Live your life with intensity. And what I mean by that is that put your heart and soul into whatever you're doing, especially if that makes a difference. So I'll give you an example here. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that seems to be growing and um, I do, I get about 2000 comments a month. That's wow. a lot of comments. And people cannot believe that I answer myself because I'm a one man company, one person operation, I answer all the comments. Why do I do that? People say, how can you do that? With 125, 130,000 subscribers. I do it because when I do something, I really want to reach out and help people because sometimes a simple thing of me teaching you how to flip your grade, how to turn your brisket a certain way will help you immensely to let you hit the pinnacles of barbecue perfection. And then that's really what the message I want to get across to your viewers is that life is really about sharing what you know. If you have a talent in life, it is not an accident. You are given that talent because there's something bigger that you must accomplish. And life is brief. Live it with intensity. I love that, man. Absolutely love it. So good. So it was uh, 200 plus classes and 3,000 3, 3, or 30,000 students. I, I lost track. Uh, uh, I, I keep my classes really small. So you figure you do the math about 15 times 250 thereabouts, right? So uh, what I've done is when I, when I teach classes, as you can probably tell from this video, it is a very personal experience. I teach you one-on-one. Yep. There, there's no like, you know, TV camera, there's a hundred people. And then you watch what the person is cooking behind two TV screens. In my class, when I cook with you, we cook side by side. We cook 25 items. Right? Wow. In six hours. You, can ask, uh, you can ask Jason. Jason and Ian were completely blown away. We, we did like 30 items in a six-hour class, cooked from scratch. I oh even my had God. a chef from Nobu, Nobu in Perth come to class, and he was blown away. We cooked pig's ears. We cooked pig's snouts also. Yep. Wow, Th- so, 30 so items in six hours. 
six hours. Yeah, I'm absolutely crazy because it is a barbecue insanity class. Yeah. So, uh, oh, wow. Okay. So you just mentioned pigs ears and pigs noses. How yes. do you, do you do briskets? Do you do like a six hour brisket in a, in a. Uh, yeah. Well, the way we do it is uh, I borrow a technique that I've seen on TV. We cook two briskets. So I will start the brisket on Friday night around midnight. We put the brisket in class starts on Saturday around 8 a.m. And then I sh- we go through the normal prep of the brisket. We show them how to do a backyard trim. We show them how to do a competition trim. We show them how to do the injection, how to make the rub, apply the rub, uh, trim the brisket. And then we put the brisket onto the pit, teach them a fire management, how to do the brisket. And then at that point in time, that brisket from Friday night is ready now on Saturday. So they go through the whole process of doing my three-sided huggy baby wrap. Well, we do the schmears. Uh, we cook the brisket until the brisket's done. And then we have a big old... 25 item lunch at around uh, one o'clock. God, that's awesome. That's And so w- what happens to that second brisket? Does that become a door prize to, or like a, uh, that, that like a raffle? That second brisket actually is uh, meant for my neighbors and my coworkers because uh, when people come to my class, they, they park all over the street. Oh, right. <laughs> so so I, I have to be nice to my neighbors. So, you know, I, I spread the barbecue love around. So we have extra sets of ribs extra sets of pork butt, extra sets of brisket and chicken. So we just spread that love around the neighborhood. So you actually teach classes in your home. Is that what you're saying? You actually bring people did, to, to the Harry Sue Ranch. Harry Sue Ranch. We call it the Sue Casa. Yeah. Casa, Casa is Spanish for home. I've done classes all over America. Uh, I've done classes in uh, people's, uh, what do you call, uh, restaurants. I've done classes in people's uh, barbecue stores. Uh, all over America. I think when we did it in uh, in Perth, uh, we, we also did it in, uh, you know, a kind of a parking lot that we built for that event. Uh, I did the same thing in Sydney, was uh, in actually a barbecue store. Right. And you don't feel at all sort of nervous about bringing fans into your into your home, like into your beautiful no, pool because, area uh, that like I can I see said, behind right? you there? Like, well, you know, uh, life is short, right? Live with intensity. And sometimes in life, you just have to give what you have. And then, you know, uh, when, when that, when that little expiration tag on your toe comes around, you got to be ready to go. So be, while that date is coming around, you just have to give everything you have. I always tell people, right. Always ask yourself the question, in our glass of life, how much sand do you have on top left and make sure that make the sand grains on the top half of the hourglass count. Mm. And uh, if it's a matter of sharing your skills with everybody do so. Like I started YouTube also by accident. <laughs> because one of my students came to my class, right? And he, he runs a very famous uh, knife sharpening channel. His name is Ricky Tran, and he runs a channel called Perfection. So for those viewers of yours who are knife aficionados, you probably heard of He has like the number one knife sharpening channel on YouTube. So he was my student, and he said, Harry, your knives are dull, you know, and dangerous. Why don't I teach you how to sharpen knives? So I said, fine. I, I, so I went to his house, which is in Los Angeles, and he taught me how to sharpen knives. And he told me, I have a YouTube channel. Are you okay if I turn the camera on? I said, sure. Go ahead and turn the camera on. Who wants to watch two guys sharpening knives for two hours? Well, 60,000 people. <laughs> and to me, that's like watching grass grow. But he told me, Harry, you know, apparently you like to talk. So why don't you just record some of your cooking on your cell phone? I said, yeah, I can do that. So I, I went to Amazon, bought myself a little tripod for 20 bucks and put my cell phone on my tripod and started, you know, cooking, really making really, really bad videos because I had no idea what I was doing. 
And I didn't know how to edit it. I didn't know how to put the sound, how to put the music. But I, I threw all these videos out on the internet. And lo and behold, like a year and a half, two years later, I have 130,000 people who follow me. Wow, that's amazing. What do you sort of put that down to? Because you, you, you said yourself that the production quality isn't, isn't super great. There are certainly some people out there that are, that are um, ha- like have an entire production team behind them. Is it, is it because you're so relatable? Is it because you invite people into your home like, like I'm talking to you now sitting in front of your pool in your backyard there? Do you think it's uh, that, it's know, that personal I, I, connection? I honestly do not know. You know, uh, like I said, right, when I was on a TV show, I'm not like Myron. Myron is one person on camera and another person off camera. Harry's the same person. <laughs> so, so whether you meet me at a contest, you meet me in my class, you meet me at work, you meet me on the street, you meet me in, in the local store, I am the same person. And that's the only thing that I know how to do is me. I don't know how to do anybody else. So when I teach barbecue, I teach you from the bottom of my heart. And people tell me that that's a really authentic experience because they can feel your energy. They can feel your life force. They can feel your vitality. So even though we are on this uh, thing called Zoom and you are, what, 10,000 more miles away, right? There is a certain exchange of energy between you and me and hopefully with your viewers that I hope will propel them to do something with their life that makes a difference in others. It absolutely will, I'm sure. Now, you mentioned something um, just a little bit interesting there and it sort of made me think of a question that I wanted to ask. You said that Myron Mixon is one person on camera and and a different person mm-hmm. off camera. Um, yes. When we watch barbecue pitmasters here in Australia, because that's, that's pretty much the only barbecue show that we do get here in Australia. And at times on that show, uh, Myron kind of comes off as the, like the, the Simon Cowell of the barbecue judging world. He, um, that, that's obviously different to, uh, to your experiences off camera with him. Uh, yeah, he is a, a kind of a, a wonderful TV persona, and that's why he, you know, is so popular as a pitmaster. But uh, he's he's really nice in person. So you you see the kind of like crusty Simon Cowell character, but but uh, in real in real life, he's a super nice guy. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Okay, so tell us a bit about uh, where we're up to with this beautiful seafood dish here. Uh, yeah, so here's the shrimp uh, using the uh, kind of Harry's uh, chimichurri, the kind of Asian-style chimichurri with a little bit of a dynamite dynamite sauce here. So this is kind of one dish here, and uh, we got we to give it a taste test and see how, how it looks like. Uh, these shrimp, I think, are done. And so those, those shrimps that are on the skewer, they were just split in half down the middle? Uh, yeah, this is uh, called a butterfly shrimp. And for those of you who are not aware what this is, you just split the shrimp right down the center. Yep. Uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy. You, know, you just put it through a couple of skewers. You, um, you, you call, what do you call this? You call this shrimp or you call this prawns? Prawns, prawns but we do prawns, understand okay, what, right, okay. when, you, when you call it shrimp, it's fine. We know what it is. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to insert the, uh, what do you call the Barbie joke now, right? I mean, it's going to be some <laughs> kind of joke that somebody, one of, one of your viewers are going to, uh, uh, what do you call throw at us right think what is harry doing uh, he knows he's talking to people in australia why is he cooking this thing on shrimp on a barbie right yeah yeah he's looking good oh i love this this is a uh my one of my favorites is uh yeah squid is a, um charcoal grilled squid is a real favorite of mine i just I, it's absolutely lovely now what were those ones in the in the shell there what did you call them again oh, these, are cockles. these are called blood cockles blood cockles okay tell us a bit blood about cockles. them they, yes. they look kind of similar to an oyster to me uh, yeah, they are like a clam. You could say it's kind of a clam. 
Oh, okay. All right. And you've got them. They're, they're, they're in a saucepan on a bed of rock salt, is it? Uh, rock salt, yeah. It's a, what do you call the ice cream salt? You know the salt that you make ice cream with? Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Why do so you simple, do that? Simple, simple. Uh, so that the, uh, the, the clam don't fall over. Oh, okay. All no, right. Just, so, a, just a tip. Just a tip. Yeah. Uh, they cook it on a bed of salt. Right. Okay. It's not because it gets aromatic when it gets hot or anything like that. Uh, no, it allows you to uh, sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Make sure that, you know, you don't topple over. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. And also it's a, it's a great presentation. I mean, not, it looks like a million bucks when you, when you serve it. I have an episode on my YouTube channel coming where I go and catch clams, like ginormous clams, the size of your hand. Oh, They're wow. called Pacific Gaper clams. And I come back and I, I cook clams casino. I make a vermicelli clam. So I, I just love to cook and, uh, you know, try, try different, uh, different recipes. And, uh, you know, you call, uh, uh, enjoy different flavors. Uh, like I said, right. I'm like an MMA cook because I don't have any formal training. So I'm just as comfortable cooking Italian as I am cooking Greek, cooking yakitori, cooking Indonesian, cooking American barbecue. Yep. So that's what my secret of winning is because uh, when I cook, I have no problem mixing palm sugar with molasses. Right. So okay. I can get really flavors that, that nobody has ever tasted. But when they eat my food, they say, dang, this food is really, really good. What did the guy do? Because uh, I, I try to make what we call extraordinary, ordinary barbecue. Mm. Does it make sense? Extraordinary, ordinary barbecue. Yep. So that the food is going to be just absolutely fantastic. And uh, you, you cannot taste where the origin of my food is from. Mm. Like I already bastardized this thing, right? This thing, this is Argentinian sauce that I bastardized yep. with Asian herbs, right? Yep. And fish sauce. So that is uh, what I call kind of like a fusion style cuisine. Yeah. Uh, so the, in case you're wondering what this is, these are uh, my favorite oyster mushrooms. Yeah, I was I was just going to ask, are they mushrooms? Yeah. Uh, now, just yeah. circling back to the cockles, did I just see you put uh, put the Tom Young sauce and some of that uh, Asian chimichurri in there? Uh-huh, yep. Yeah. So you have a basically the idea when you cook, right? You got to understand that you have to play with flavors. Yeah. There's five different flavors you're playing with, right? So sweet, salty, bitter, uh, and umami. And you got to just learn how to do the different flavors. Like this shrimp, right? These shrimp have absolutely wonderful umami flavor. That's why seafood uh, has a, a naturally occurring MSG. And, uh, you know, they, they use that to buffer the ocean intake. So when you understand food science, because I'm, I'm a very nerdy type of cook person, I, I go with a lot of different science that I learned about cooking food and I, I use them in competition and they seem to be working. Mm, yeah. looks amazing. You just mentioned uh, MSG there earlier. I did see a video that recently you shared on Facebook, um, s- sort of stating your opinion on MSG. Can you give us a bit of a summary mm-hmm. of, of where you stand on MSG? Uh, MSG is a, is, is a safe food additive. Uh, it is nothing unusual. If you ever had, uh, um, marinara sauce, you had MSG, you had Parmesan cheese, you had MSG. If you had, uh, uh, you know, KFC, you had MSG. So it's, it's nothing really terribly special. And uh, the idea is that uh, you have the same flavor compounds in kombu seaweed. The Japanese discovered that a thousand years ago, they've been using kombu seaweed for uh, their soups and stews and food. And uh, Professor Ikeda in the University of Tokyo actually traced it to a chemical monosodium glutamate. So that's the white stuff you see on top of the kombu seaweed. Mm-hmm. And that's used to make dashi stock in Japanese cuisine. So he isolated the chemical compound called MSG. And MSG, had, you have taste buds in your mouth that binds to the MSG, sends a signal to your brain that says that is tasty. All right. 
So I, you know, I'll tell your viewers that they may not know, but if they were ever raised breastfed from mother's milk, human mother's milk has about six or eight times the highest MSG of all of the mammals in the animal kingdom. Wow. So the first taste you had in your mouth was MSG. It caused you to drink the milk so you would survive as a species called Homo sapiens. Right. So a lot of people don't know that because they think that uh, they listen to a lot of what I call fake news and saying that, hey, you know, it'll kill you, it'll fry your brain and on and on and on. So I cannot tell you how many haters I get right on my channel that attack me when I share science with them and they are obviously, you know, don't believe in science. And, uh, you know, I just have to tell, tell them that, hey, you know, I believe in science. If you don't believe me, go watch another channel. You know, that's okay with me. I'm not, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. It's um, it's quite uh, it's quite contentious in in barbecue circles whether to use MSG in competition or not. And uh, yeah, it's already in the product itself, so you don't have to use it. It's already in there. In if you the- use soy sauce, you're using MSG already. So it's not. And the same for people who would go out and eat Kentucky Fried Chicken, they would eat uh, you know, uh, what do you call uh, fast food? Uh, eat some uh, uh, like chips and everything. All those have naturally occurring forms of MSG and added MSG. So you know, it's really you know. Up, up to you to decide if you believe in science or do you believe in what I call hearsay? Mm. Because there's a lot of people out there that have a tendency to propagate uh, untruth. You know, like in America, right? Um, we have something called the Flat Earth Club. Oh, yes. Yes, six, I'm familiar with that. Americans believe, yeah, you're familiar with that? So six million Americans, I right, believe, they will go to their deathbed believing that the world is flat. And all those pictures of Neil Armstrong are all done in a Hollywood studio. Oh, wow. So there you go. Mm. Okay, what can you do? Right? I mean, you cannot you cannot change uh, people's uh, perspectives. On, no, it's, it's uh, hard what, what to argue. Yeah, I run a YouTube channel, so trust me. When I do two thousand comments every month, five hundred a week. Yeah, I, I hear them all and I get them all. So, so trust me, I, I'm painfully aware of how the world thinks and how the world believes. I always tell people, you know, don't believe a single thing you see on my channel. <laughs> all you need to do is try it. Don't believe, learn to know. Knowing is so much more powerful than believing. Yeah. So I'm a total skeptic. Everything you see me do, right? I always want to know why, 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 why. And that translates into my cooking because when I cook, I want to know why flavors work. Right, yeah, because then you can uh, you can break it down and replicate it, rebuild it into other different um, into other different styles. I think it was um, Paul McCartney, he was, he was interviewed about pop music and about how people can learn to... How, like how people can write all the best pop music songs. And he said, first of all, you need to learn classical music because you need to learn the rules before you can break them. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's a very important that like when I just showed you, right. Uh, there's a difference between fusion cuisine, which is what I showed you. Like you examine the chimichurri. Chimichurri is an Argentinian tradition using oil, vinegar, and an herb. I did exactly the same thing, but I just substituted the salt with fish sauce and I substituted the vinegar with Japanese rice vinegar and I substituted the herbs using some herbs from Asia. So I I always want to be clear, when I cook, I do fusion. I don't do confusion cuisine. Very important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I remember living in Korea and going to different fusion restaurants and it would basically just be a bowl of spaghetti with kimchi on the side. Mate, that squid looks amazing. I'm I'm hungry it's, just, it's, just I, watching it. I wish it. you could hear smell a vision. It just smells absolutely heady and that that aroma of the ocean here is just absolutely wonderful. I'm trying not to overcook it. So I think I kinda of overcooked it, but that's okay. You know, that is one of the really dangers thin. of um 
of of cooking with squid. It's it's very quick and very easy to to overdo it. Yeah, the other option is I can actually wrap it in foil, right? Put some of the chimichurri in it and let it baste for about an hour. Yeah, kind of like it's slow cook, and then that will render the collagen. So it goes from kind of like tough into butter soft. So I, I think I'll, I'll do that to salvage this recipe because this is a little bit harder than what I want it to be. But I'm going to salvage it by using a foil method to kind of do a wrap, kind of like barbecue wrap. You know, that way I can kind of get it nice char and mm. do a nice wrap and then make it super like uh, super tender, like Italian style calamari. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Serve it with some pasta and use some of the sauce I made. Oh God, that sounds good. So, so the- to make some tom yum, tom yum sauce and uh, with some pasta. I think it'll, it'll be fantastic. I I dare say it will. The the vinegars in that chimichurri that you're going to boat it with is going to denature that uh, that squid a bit, get it a bit softer again. Yep. Very good. All right. Well, this is about all the time that we've had. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you be able to just grab like one of those prawns off that skewer and just have a bite for us and just and, and just tell us how it tastes? Absolutely. Be happy to do that here. We have to see it. We have to see it before we go. Yeah, we have to see it before you go, right? So let me tell you how it looks like here. Can you see this? I can. Oh, they look amazing. Yeah, the that that white sauce is kind of set like melted cheese almost. Uh, yeah, it's uh, like a dynamite sauce. The mayo will set. So it's a kind of like egg, egg emulsion. So it's like an egg foam mixture here. So oh, of course I don't have a fork. That's okay. We'll just eat with our hands here. Yeah. So oh, wow. That, that looks amazing. Super. It's not. It's just perfectly cooked also. All right. So absolutely fantastic flavor. You got that fresh shrimp flavor of the ocean, the char of the charcoal. And uh, you've got that that sweet, QP mayo flavor on it. And uh, absolutely a heady bite. And a little bit of the chimichurri with the garlic, a little bit of fish sauce on it, a little bit of the herb on it. Absolutely, absolutely amazing, amazing flavor. That was one shrimp. Here's another shrimp. Or prawn, as you call it, right? You call yep, it prawn. Prawns, yep. All right, so the way you eat a shrimp is actually teach, teach them how to eat it. They may not know. You just pull the head up like that, right? Yep. First thing you want to do is you want to suck the roll off the head like so. That's a tremendous amount of flavor, right? Yep. And you can eat it with skin on, or you can peel the shrimp very quickly and uh, get some of that flavor on it. And it's got that tong yum, which is a lemongrass flavor. It's got chili shallots, probably some, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, 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 what do you call, uh, uh, kaffir lime, you know, kaffir lime. Yes. It's a wonderful fragrant lime. So that's how it looks like here. Oh, that right. looks incredible. Okay. The grill lines on the prawn just look mouthwatering. I wish you could be here. Oh, me too. I wish I could be there as well. They, they just look sensational. Ben, we got to get you to America. Next time you come by LA, Give me a heads up and uh, we'll uh, invite you back here to try something that you didn't try. So here's the blood crime. Oh, yes. Ooh, dripping. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Excellent. Absolutely amazing. Let me, get, let me get a piece out. Yeah, they do look remarkably oh, similar to an oyster, don't they? Uh, yeah, it's more a clam, a clam. So it's got a little bit of rigidity. Uh, oyster is kind of like very soft, right? And kind of uh, fluid. This one is uh, a little bit of a clam here. Oh, okay. So the, the texture is a little bit firmer than a, than an oyster. 
Yeah. Wow, that looks so good. Yeah, yeah. Very good, mate. Very good. All right, well, look, what no, I'm going to do is I'm going to... Okay. Uh, hang on, one second. Uh, my, my thing is burning. One second. No worries. Oh, okay. All right. While talking and eating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no problem. Burned. No problem. I'm going to burn my, uh, my uh, what do you call uh, the calamari. Calamari. That's okay. A little bit of scraping will, will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing a sharp knife can't fix. Alrighty, so what I'd like to do at about this point in the interview is uh, throw the studio over to you so you can give some shout-outs and some thanks to who you'd like to and also tell everybody where they can track you down on social media. All right. Also, thanks, guys, for joining Ben and me in this episode. I had a super amount of fun talking to everybody on his uh, channel. Uh, I want to encourage you to go visit his channel. If you can, swing over to mine. I have 300-plus videos on 35 different playlists showing you all the ins and outs of cooking competition style barbecue, cooking backyard barbecue, so you too can spread barbecue love. I want to do a shout-out to some of my sponsors. You see them here. Uh, I have a charcoal sponsor. These are Max, uh, Jealous Devil, Briquettes that you saw me cooking the meal with. Uh, I want to thank all my other sponsors, like my wood sponsor, Patty Sharp from uh, Sharp's Gourmet Cooking Wood. And I want to encourage you to go check out my website. Um, I do sell products like rubs and sauces that I've used to win first place in contests all over America and the world. So uh, it's been a pleasure being on Ben's show and I hope uh, we'll see you guys again very, very soon. Beautiful, mate. Thank you very much. And I just want to say just one more time again, I I realize that you are a busy guy. As you said, you do have a full-time job and then you do slap your daddy on top of that as well. So I really do appreciate, and I'm sure that all the readers and all the, uh, sorry, all the viewers and all the listeners um, really appreciate you taking the time to, you've, you've literally brought us into your backyard for dinner we've just had dinner with, with Harry Sue. So, <laughs> so thank you very much for, for giving us that opportunity and sharing your time with us. All right. Thanks a lot, Ben. And there you have it family. That was the one and only Harry Sue. As you can see, we were literally in his backyard in Los Angeles there and he's actually cooking his dinner uh, and experimenting with recipes as we were talking. How, what an experience was that? That was so good. That's a, that's a real once in a lifetime opportunity there. So yeah, once again, huge thanks and massive props to, to Harry for, for letting us into his, into his life there and uh, really sharing some of those tips and, um, and, uh, and wisdom that he's, that he's acquired through his barbecue journey. Um, so before I let you go, I just want to give you a reminder that if you have enjoyed this video, do give us a like and a share on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up, a subscribe, hit that little notification bell so you get notified next time we do upload another episode. If you're watching on Instagram, I love those cute little hearts and the little follows that you can give us. So make sure you throw us some of them. And if you are listening on a podcasting app, do make sure you have a bit of a look and see if, if you're able to uh, give us a rating and review, particularly if you're listening on an Apple device, because I know Apple iTunes definitely does it. And it really uh, helps us get up the charts and get our barbecue message out there to more people. So that's all the time we have for today. So without further ado, I'm going to say take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.